Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Tom and Bach. Coming at you live from Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Here are your hosts. Tom Stevens. You know, we failed, but uh, I thought it was a great effort. I thought that the plan was laid out uh, perfectly. Jake Bakoven. Uh, I'm not sure I get my point across um, properly. I'm sure I don't do a good job of explaining what I mean. Tom and Bach starts now. Garrett Temple reached for him, didn't get him. And give Shea Gilgis Alexander credit as Devontae sends it. Oh! Gets it! Gets it! The game winner! Oh, wow! Devontae Graham stuns him in Oklahoma City. It's incredibly efficient. Right. This is a heck of a shot. That is a heck of a shot. He's 65 feet away. <laughs> Devontae Graham, uh, 61 footer, uh, Oklahoma City had just tied it on, uh, on a shot. Was it Shea? Uh, yeah, Shea Gilgus Alexander. Yeah, uh, he had just tied it, and then of course they win it at the buzzer. So that was pretty cool. That was New the Orleans. longest game-winning shot in NBA history, actually. Was it really? Yeah, I did not know that. Uh, thank you. See, that's what uh, Bach does. He provides insight to the stuff we play on this program. But that was definitely the play of the day, and maybe the play of the year. Uh, in the NBA. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And I remember Devontae Graham coming to Lincoln with that Kansas team. Remember, Steve McCulloch yeah. hit that three in the corner um, uh, to to give Kansas the win. But I can't remember who it was now Now that I mention it. Is that um, somebody was like friends with him, Devontae Graham, and they were hanging out with him right. at the end of the game that Nebraska so played with. So That'd be a cool. fun list, the best game-winning shots uh, in Nebraska basketball history. Bo Reed hit a couple of good ones. Uh, to, I think one to beat Michigan State when they were number one in the country. Yeah. Another one to beat Danny and the Miracles the year they won the national title. That was a lot of people forget that was a mediocre Kansas team. Um, I think they had something like 18 wins going to the tournament. Limped into the NCAA tournament, and uh, Brown and Company went it all. Just went on a run. Uh, just yeah, Danny and a bunch of guys that were really short around him. <laughs> um, and uh, they just got hot. Um. Of course, Larry Brown helped. I mean, that guy yeah, uh, was, the best, went. was the best of the best. I mean, he was just phenomenal. Um, something happened at the Nebraska Volleyball Presser today. Who this was, was the other day. Uh, was this the other day? Yeah. Okay. Uh, who was speaking? Do you know who was speaking for the Nebraska women at that time? Uh, let me see. Double check. Uh, John Cook had to correct her, whoever it was. I don't know if it was Krause or uh, Batenbach. Uh, I don't know who who was uh, talking. Anyway, I'll play it here, and I'll get I'll get you the information after I play uh, this particular soundbite. Do you have a nickname for those three, or do they, do they, is there a group <laughs> nickname for them? What do, what do what do y'all call them? We call them three the midgets. <laughs> how how do they like that? They love it. <laughs> uh, we we as coaches oh. don't use that terminology. We call them the Legion of Boom. The Legion of Boom. Maddie Kubek referred to, I think, to the back row. She was referring 
to the back row, uh, Lexi Rodriguez, uh, Akana, and you know, the the girls in the play in the back row on a regular basis, and called them midgets, which you can't do. You can't say that. You anymore. can't. You can't do that. And John Cook, of course, made the correction. Uh, we we as coaches oh. don't use that terminology. <laughs> we call them the Legion of Boom. The Legion of Boom. See, I played in. There midget. was a nice awkward silence there in between it too. John something. Oh, say oh, that. no, 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 we don't. We don't. It's, um, I remember there used to be a thing. Um, be, when, before it was peewee football, I don't even know if peewee football is politically correct anymore. Um, but can you say peewee? <laughs> I think you can still say peewee. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it used to be called before it was peewee football, midget football. Right. I mean that was what they called it. It was just little kids that were like third graders up to maybe sixth graders who played midget football, and that's legitimately what we called it. I played for Lincoln Welling. Welding, and they had the fire department and the electric company and various things, security mutual, um, and you could play peewee football, which was called midget football, but that's not obviously acceptable anymore, um, no. and, and rightfully so. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. So stop it, Matty Kubek. <laughs> At least not, don't tell other people you say that. Yeah, well, girls on your own team, they apparently liked it, according to Matty Kubek. Do you have a nickname for those three, or is there a group nickname for them? What do, what do, what do you all call them? We called them three the midgets. How, how do they like that? They love it. <laughs> uh, we, we as coaches oh. don't use that terminology. We call them the Legion of Boom. The Legion of Boom. The Legion of Boom is much better. I mean, if you gave me the choice between the two, I'm definitely going to choose yeah. the Legion of Boom. That sounds a lot more scary to play up against. <laughs> so, uh, Nebraska volleyball, I can't wait for it tonight. Um, obviously, Pittsburgh, Nebraska is going to be favored in that. Uh, but if they do get through and win the championship, they'd be the only the second team in history uh, since they started seeding teams. I think it was like 2000 since they started seeding teams. That's a 10 seed or worse. Uh, Stanford did it, I think, in 2004, won the national title. Uh, BYU made it as a 10 seed, I believe, in 2014 to the final four. But only two teams have ever won it as a 10 seed or worse. So. It's kind of weird too because it, it, it's it's hard to get in your in your mind that Nebraska is an underdog from that statement, but it's 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 not really. You're still a top ten team in the nation. Uh, I don't. I think the way they're playing right now, they're not the best team because they it's you take the best team as the team that's done it the whole season. But they're if you were to start the season right now, Bach, just start it right now, and go another four months, three months, whatever a volleyball season is. And I think Nebraska would end up being the best team in the country right now. I really do. The reason they weren't early on is they were starting three freshmen. And they had Lexi's son in the lineup for a while to start the year. And then, of course, she was benched. And the freshmen come in. Uh, that was rather early in the season. Um, and they started to find a rhythm, especially in this tournament, as I mentioned, all the way to the Final Four. And they've only lost one entire set. Uh, against, obviously, the best teams in the country. And they played against you know, the best teams in the country in the Big Ten, which I think really prepared them for what they're going to see in the Final Four. But Nebraska should beat Pittsburgh. They're the favorite. 
Uh, I do want to bring this up too because there's another name out of the transfer portal that's that's not coming to Nebraska at quarterback. Oh, Miles, nice, Miles, Miles Brennan. We said earlier uh, recommitted to LSU, so he's out of the portal. Uh, um, probably a long shot, but the the best one. We don't talk about him much, but because he would, he seems uh, out of reach for Nebraska. Dylan Gabriel. Uh, who's been? Uh, he was looking at USC, wasn't he? Where's he was he... looking at different teams. Now he's uh, he's tweeted out a picture of com- he says he's committed to UCLA uh, in Chip Kelly. So that's going to be an interesting marriage. Yeah, I, I think that fits. L- quite frankly, I wanted a Dorian Thompson Robinson type quarterback at Nebraska, and I still want that. I want an Adrian Martinez type of quarterback with better coaching. I don't want him to run as often. Uh, I want a better offensive line and better weapons around him, which Scott Frost has really wanted for the last three years. Um, but if you told me Dylan Gabriel is coming to Lincoln, Nebraska, I'd be excited about that. Yeah. I, and for some reason, he just never, there was never really a connection there. There was never whispers. So yeah. there was never a lot Did, of hype. But I he's probably think, the best, other than maybe Rattler in the portal, that's been think, in the portal. I, was that a Frost recruit, Dylan? I don't think he was a. I think they might have contacted. I don't think they. He was not on campus there at UCF when Scott Frost was there. But I don't even know if they tried to recruit Dylan Gabriel out of high school. Yeah, I don't know, because he started his career in 2019. Obviously, yeah. Frost was at Nebraska yeah. in 2018, so I don't think it co- they necessarily crossed paths. Yeah. Um, um, but he's, I mean, he's, for his career, he's got like 67, somewhere around 67 touchdowns and 14 picks. So that's a pretty good, inspe- you know, it's the UCF offense. Yeah, I... I, I would take him in a heartbeat. Again, it's what you said. Um, Adrian's the best option we have. I want him gone, nonetheless, and now I want it back. I mean, <laughs> originally, I, I if you told me right now that Nebraska could get Adrian Martinez back, I would take him. I would take him right now. Would you, though? I mean, I know, like, right now you would, but I'm telling you, I'm trying to sell you tickets for August or September uh, it hasn't hasn't the belief of the Frost Martinez marriage run its course? I mean, would you want to see well, it's that not again? A mar- it wouldn't be a marriage between Frost and Martinez anymore. It would be a marriage between Mark Whipple and, <laughs> and Frost Adrian and Martinez. And Frost and Martinez. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, it had to end, and uh, here's the reason it had to end. You have to see what Frost is going to be like without Adrian, because uh, eventually. <laughs> I mean, he's not going to be back the year after that. Right. I mean, eventually you've got to prove yourself without Adrian. I just think it has to happen. Um, and maybe to a certain extent, maybe Mark Whipple has to prove himself without, you know, Kenny Pickett. I think we, it's easy. It's not easy. It's never easy winning at that degree, uh, at the level that Pittsburgh did this past year or that Scott did at UCF. Um, but you got to do it a variety of different ways, and and you can't be a one trick pony with one quarterback. You got to prove that you can win because that's what college football is. It's a roster that changes every single year, and you have to be able to look at the roster that you have, look at the talent on it, and adapt with it. And if it's not exactly what you want, you go to the portal and you find a guy that can make it work. But the great coaches don't have everything that they want all the time. Yeah. They they don't they, they just don't get all the players they want in recruiting, and they have to take the guys they have and make them win nonetheless. Um, and I respect a coach like that almost more. 
I do too, but you know, Mickey Joseph even said it the other yeah. day. You don't see, a, you know, a bad coach. It's hard to find a, a bad coach with good players or a good um, coach with bad players. He usually kind of yeah. runs right, right yeah. along. But I mean, I, I to you, like I, I'd like, you know, I, I feel better about a, a coach kind of bringing and building that offense up. And that, and you know, I know that there was talent yeah. there for Pittsburgh, but that's kind of what Mark Whipple did is yeah. Kenny Pickett. Now we see him as a first round draft pick. Now we see yeah. him as a Heisman trophy contender, but he wasn't that coming into yeah. the season. And he hadn't been that the last couple of years, even under him, you know, even under the same offensive coordinator. So um, it, it, it was a, just a great job for him this past year. And so you kind of have to mold him into that. You have to mm-hmm. find a way to get that out of um, maybe what you see as average players and turn them into good right. to great players. And the text line asks this, 464-5685. Sutter Hammond text line, Honda of Lincoln Hotline. We're on Twitch. We're on uh, Facebook. We're all over the place. We can't be stopped. Uh Richard Torres, don't you think he can do the things that you want? I don't think he can right away. I think he's a developmental quarterback. I think most quarterbacks are. Yeah, coming uh, off an injury, by the way. Yeah, he's coming off an injury. He won't, who knows how ready he'll be for spring. I don't think Heinrich Harburg is that ready. I'm interested uh, whether uh, Logan could be the guy. I, I think he could be. I, I like some others a lot. Um, does he have a big enough arm to do what Mark Whipple wants to do? That's a big question, Mark. But again, the adaption part the marriage of the Frost offense to the Whipple offense might be a part of that as well and see what they can come up with as far as a hybrid is concerned. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. 464-5685. Uh, you were talking about Mickey Joseph, and I wanted to bring this up uh, because I, th- I thought the quote that you brought up is a good one. Here is the quote from Mickey Joseph. I've never seen... I've never seen a bad coach with good players, and I've never seen a good coach with bad players. I don't mind being known as a recruiter because I know I can coach football. I know that's the reason I'm here. Um, what do you make of those comments? Because sometimes I think, I think Deontay Williams, was it, that had that, uh, and then, of course, went to USC, had that reputation under Mike Riley. He's a big recruiter. He'll get you the guys. And I think some coaches hate that title, great recruiter, because it, it's, a, oh, you think I'm just a salesman. You think I'm just a guy here to bring in talent and that I can't coach or that I wouldn't be on the staff otherwise. I think a lot of guys don't like that label, great recruiter. Mickey Joseph doesn't mind it because he knows he's a great coach as well. And, and he's right. There's, it's rare that you have a good coach and bad players. It never happens. You got to have good players. Yeah, and I, I think that it's kind of interesting because you can tell it more maybe in basketball, you know, the kind of the difference between a great recruiter yeah. and a great coach or if they're a combination of that. Yeah. Um, in football, it's kind of harder to tell, especially where, you know, you, you're getting them into like the yeah. the specific players and the specific positions that they're playing. Um, but, I, I, I mean, I think first and foremost, it's great to have that recruiting label um, to get that talent on campus. As we're saying, it, it you can only do so much with average players I mean, you, yeah. and you can, you can develop them all you want, but they're probably not NFL yeah. bound. Yeah. Um, but if you get, you know, great players, um, you're just at a good starting point and then you, you can mold them into better players. So I, I think that it's a, I think that it's fine. And I'm glad that he has that approach to it. Cause like some people would be, you know, some coaches do get mad about that. Um, but it's, it's, it's a compliment yeah. and, and yeah. It, it really, it, it does kind of overshadow the work you do a little bit, right? But it, 
you know, it's not the worst thing to be yeah. <laughs> labeled a great recruiter. Yeah. yeah. Again, Dante Williams had that. And, and um, I think sometimes you get labeled, well, he's just here for, I don't know if that's the case, but I'll take good recruiters throughout the staff. Um, almost, you know, if they're, a, I'll take a great recruiter, good coach, rather than a great coach, good recruiter. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, I, cause I, I think that's really what Nebraska needs right now. The, the John Blake's, I think John Blake is considered, for example, one of the greatest recruiters, not only in Nebraska, but of all time. Um, he is. He, <laughs> is. A, he had a little bit of a... Yeah, he was also He known, got in trouble a little bit. He also got in day, trouble. But... Uh, now he's passed. He passed yeah, he a, a few years ago. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's a fine Sometimes line. Sometimes that's what makes a great recruiter. It's a fine line. <laughs> it is a very fine line, as they say. Uh, let's get to break. And come back, talk with Mitch Sherman of The Athletic. He always has great things to say and write about Nebraska football. He's at all these press conferences. And we'll talk to Mitch Sherman of The Athletic coming up. Download our app by searching 93.7, a ticket in your app store. To stay in touch and listen all day long wherever you are. This is Tom and Bob. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.